Konnichiwa! You're listening to episode 15 of Unfinished Business, the weekly discussion show about the business end of web design and creative industries. And today is Friday, April 19th, 2013. The show is hosted by me, Andy Clark, and by my co-host, she's big in Japan, Anna Debenham. Konnichiwa! Konnichiwa! <laughs> the show wouldn't be possible without our two sponsors this week, Hammer for Mac and Five Simple Steps. Hammer for Mac's my favourite web development tool, and Five Simple Steps have a fantastic second collection of pocket guides available. We'll tell you about them later in the show. And all the links we mention in this episode are in our show notes. You'll find those at unfinished.bz slash 15. That's the number 15. Konnichiwa! Hey, how are you doing? It's been three weeks. Yeah. Hello, stranger. Did you miss me? I did, yeah. I did listen to the shows all the way from Japan, and uh, and I kept an, an eye on the Twitter feed, looking out for comments, and people like the shows best when I'm not in it. <laughs> I don't think it was that. A lot of people <laughs> like Laura's show, and I wasn't in that. <laughs> no, they did like Laura's show, and they really liked, well, they liked all of them. I thought, um, I thought the show you did with Ashley was really, really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. I've seen lots of... Lots of good feedback about that. But yeah, I was looking at it thinking, no. <laughs> so you had a good time? I did, yeah. What about you? It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was stressful and fun um, all at the same time. But yeah, we uh, we had a couple of really interesting weeks. It's always it's always amazing going to to Japan, Tokyo especially. It's just the, it's the wildest place. Have you been yet? No, I'd really like to. Oh, gosh. I mean, it it's not even like anywhere else in Japan that I've been to anyway. It's just the maddest place. It really is. Um, so I was doing a workshop uh, in Tokyo. So we, we got there, basically. We, we got there and we met Satoshi. If he's listening, thank you, Satoshi, for looking after us so well. <laughs> and... Uh, then spent a few days just kind of sightseeing and, and doing some fun things. And then they did a workshop on the Saturday, which was great. 47 people we had in this responsive design workshop, which was really fun. Wow, all in one room? All in one room. It was great. I mean, Satoshi just set up everything so beautifully. We had two big screens. Um, he did translation. Um, so I would do a little section and then he would translate and then I would do a little section and then he'd translate. So wow. it's a bit hard to... Sometimes doing it that way, there's no, when there's no simultaneous translation, you have to keep a thought in your head for more than like a second, which is always yeah. really, it's always really hard for me. <laughs> I can't, not very good at doing that. But yeah, it was fun. And we did some really nice tourism things in, in Tokyo too. We went up the, uh, Tokyo Sky Tree, Ooh. which is, uh, the tallest tower in the world, 650 meters or something. I don't know whether it's the tallest building. No, it's not the tallest building, is it? Because that's in Dubai. But it's the tallest tower. This was one of those places where, I mean, we we got there. And it was quite funny. Anybody who's going to Tokyo wants to go up to SkyTree, just kind of bear this in mind. But we got there, I don't know, half ten in the morning, just expecting that there'd be a queue, but we'd be able to get up there. Hmm. But it turns out that the Japanese are more organised than that. And they give you kind of like a, a ticket before they let you get a ticket. Yeah. And this was like 5.30 in the afternoon was our slot. So there must have been like loads of people must have been up there that day. So we went away and we did some other stuff. We went to a sumo museum, 
which is pretty cool. Um, and had a bit of a wander about. And then we, we got back there at 5.30 and it's one of these places where you queue in this, in the, the zigzags for, well, it's about an hour and a half actually queuing to, to get to the lift. And then you get in the lift and it's one of those places. It went up 450 meters in about a minute. <sighs> it was, whoa, it was really, really good. And that had a glass ceiling to the elevator. Whoa. And it was all lit up in a kind of, it looked, when you looked up, it was a bit like kind of that Doctor Who intro, you know, where you go <laughs> zooming through time and space. It was really cool. Really cool. And then you get at the top, um, and you can go on to one, it's, it's 450 meters, I think it is. Or maybe that one's 300 and something, I don't know. And you're up to one level and then you can walk around. It looks pretty impressive from there. And then you can pay another thousand yen. And go up to the, like the next level, which is another few hundred meters above. Mm-hmm. And man, that one's amazing. That's the bit where it's got the glass floor and it's, whoa, you're looking down and you just, I mean, I know everybody always says that people look like ants, but these were really tiny. <laughs> I mean, I've been up the Eiffel Tower and the Empire State Building and I went up the World Trade Center once and I've been up the Sears Tower in Chicago and I've never been anything, up anything like this. It was brilliant. It was really good. <laughs> so I highly recommend that to anybody that's going to, that's going to, uh, to Tokyo. So that was really good. And uh, underneath the, um, underneath the sky tree, there's this really lovely shopping precinct, shopping arcade. Mm. Um, and they've got a Studio Ghibli store. <laughs> so we went in there. Um, I didn't, I didn't tweet anything from there. I don't think. No, I think you did. Did I? Yeah, you tweeted some pictures of, was it the cat bus? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did see some, yeah, yeah, I did, I did tweet. I think I Instagrammed a picture of something and said, anyway, I bought you a present. <laughs> I didn't Which, get you a present. What, what? You didn't go to Tokyo though, did you? No, I could have sent you some Brighton Rock or something. Yeah, it doesn't matter about that. I mean, if you wonder what rustling is, I also brought back some pockies. You know those little biscuit things? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I know you can buy them in Tesco's, but it's not the same unless you buy them from <laughs> Japan, is it? So I've actually got some almond crunch pockies, which are really nice. If you hear me munching on anything, listen, it's because <laughs> I've got biscuits and you haven't. So, you know, meh. Oh, I just had ice cream, so meh. Hmm. Are you going to open your present then? Okay. Go on. It, it's it. really annoying. It's been sitting on my desk sort of for the last 24 hours. It says, please do not open before Friday's show. And and when I got it, I wasn't sure who it was from. But then I saw in the back it was all in Welsh and yeah. Ah. Go on. Ah. Oh, there's two things. There's two things. I couldn't just get you one present. <laughs> They wrap this is, everything. It's going to sound really exciting. I know. <laughs> Tune in, listeners, for <gasps> another episode. For I... another episode of Anna wrestling some paper. <laughs> oh, a little Totoro uh, keyring. <laughs> yep. It's so cute. Oh, yeah. Of course, I didn't. Uh, of course, I had no clue what half of these things were. <laughs> but I do remember you mentioning Totoro. So. Yeah. And he is quite famous, isn't he? Yeah. Opening the second one now. Go on. It's in a little bag. 
they wrap everything so beautifully. When you go into a shop, they say, is it present? And you go, yes. And they wrap it. I mean, I'm going to go to Japan and just like before Christmas, <laughs> buy all my Christmas presents there and it did take care of the wrapping. Nice. <gasps> oh, I didn't touch a purse. It's a wee purse. It's teeny. Well, oh, it's, it's so cute. I need a little coin purse. I use Kinder eggs at the moment. What, for as a coin purse? Yeah. Strangely enough, I need a coin purse because my pockets are always rattling around with changing them. Kinder eggs are really good coin purses and they fit two pound coins in them. Right. You wouldn't think they would, but they do. Well, there you go. Oh, thank you. It's really Enjoy. sweet. Enjoy. <laughs> All the way from Japan. I can put I can put the key ring inside the purse. Like Eeyore. Okay. Well, you- <laughs> <laughs> and I could take it out again. Hmm. So, Sorry, it's not very exciting on it's a really, podcast. This is, it? this is really not a very exciting <laughs> podcast. But there you go. So that was that was that was our little holiday in Japan, and then we went to uh, Hiroshima. Oh, we had a we had a day and a half in um, in Osaka, mm-hmm. which was really nice. We didn't see much. You know, we just went out and saw Osaka Castle. Um, but you know, we had like a day and a half there, and then we went back down to Hiroshima, which I've been there before, um, but Sue hadn't been. So I really wanted to show her what Hiroshima was like. So we went there and saw the A-bomb dome again and went to the Peace Park. You know, spent a day walking around the Peace Park, which is really, really nice. Mm. So that that was really good. And then uh, it's, it's funny because <laughs> I've been to loads of places that are all kind of nuclear related. Because <laughs> we stopped off in Los Alamos on a road trip once. Um, where they developed the atom bomb that they then dropped on Hiroshima. Um, and I did that a couple of years ago and it was, it was, you know, it was really horrible in, yeah. in Los Alamos. Yeah. It was, it was. A lot of desert. Well, actually, New Mexico is beautiful and I really love New Mexico. Um, and Santa Fe is a, is a lovely place, but no, just the whole kind of atmosphere around Los Alamos I found horrible and, the Bradbury Museum, where you know, it talks about them developing the bomb and whatever. Ah, I, just, I just don't like the politics of it. It was all very kind of, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry for American listeners, but it was all American kind of jingoist rhetoric. Mm. You know, how we developed the bomb to save, you know, to save lives and end the war. And, you know, it was all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then you go to Hiroshima. Um, th- there's no sense of bitterness yeah. About anything. You know, everything is all about literally, you know, we mustn't ever let this happen again. Every time that there's a, been a nuclear test, the mayor of Hiroshima writes to the country or the ambassador of that country and, you know, really respectfully asks for them not to do it. Yeah. In, in kind of a, a peaceful way. I mean, it's really, really lovely. So I'd, if, if you can get there, Hiroshima is just a fantastic. So you expect it to be just, no pun intended, to still kind of have a cloud over it. Mm. Um, not a mushroom cloud. Was it, was it quite sad? No, do you know what? It was really uplifting. Um, I mean, you go to the museum and you see some, you know, you see some horrible stuff. Um, but the atmosphere of Hiroshima, it's a young, dynamic city. Um, lots of young people about lots of kind of activity and it's just a really uplifting place. Mm. Um, so if you can, if you get to go there or you get a chance to go there, go there because it, it's just such a good place to go. So what with, what with that and Los Alamos and the fact that I went to, um, 
Chelyabinsk a couple of years ago, which is the world's most radioactively polluted city in the world. Wow. <laughs> you should I'm wear one of those little badges that shows how much radioactivity you're exposed to. Really? I should wear lead underpants is what I should wear. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that was, it was, it was a fun couple of weeks. Um, Sue got a bit freaked out on occasion, um, particularly kind of food related. We went to this amazing sushi restaurant and there was just like half a dozen stools and a counter and the guy was behind it making sushi in front of you. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was just this beautiful little place. Um, and he literally did, there wasn't a menu. He just made things for you and gave them to you. Um, and at the point where he gave her a bowl that had like fish heads in it, <sighs> that kind of freaked her out a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> it was good. We really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Yay. So should we get on with the show? After yeah. All this rambling. <laughs> um, can we do some follow up on some questions that we've had sent to us? Yeah. Yeah. That you've, um, added a few to the show notes, which I'm just going to read out. Yeah. Um, Cause we get some, amazingly intelligent questions. Yeah, well, they're the sort that make me kind of think, hmm, is that really the right thing to do? Mm. Sorry, I'm eating another biscuit. <laughs> right, that's it, that's the last pocky has gone now. <laughs> mm. What a great show. It's just a show all about the noises. <laughs> Slurp some tea, huh? So we had a we had a question from um, Curtis McHale. Did you see this one? Yeah, yeah. He said um, he's been toying with weekly pricing for a while, um, but he also has kind of emergency items, like when a client has a server that dies or they have an issue with an upgrade or a plugin. And he's asking, do I just tell them to wait a few weeks and purchase a week? If I could ever answer that question, I'd go weekly. And that was in response to our sort of to our chat about weekly pricing. Hmm. It was a tricky one, that isn't it? Especially when there's just you. Yeah, and we had a similar one come in um, from Mike Healy in Australia. He said, um, "I've really enjoyed your show, and I've even listened to the Scratchy Beard episode." He's um, going to love this one, isn't he? Like yeah. that. It's the one with the unwrapping and the, the biscuit tea. and the biscuit munching. <laughs> says Andy, I'm intrigued by your week at a time approach to projects, and I'm wondering how you handle small pieces of work that might come up as well. Um, after a site's launched. So, for example, every UK-based site now seems to have a little notice bar about cookies. So did you not have past clients hit you up for that little bit of work to keep them cookie law compliant? How do you um, how do you either avoid minor tasks like that or fit it into your weekly process? I think that's an excellent question. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I'm interested in hearing what your take is on that. Yeah, no, they're both good questions, those. I mean, just regarding the cookie law thing for a minute, do you know what? I've never added a, a cookie <laughs> th- cookie compliance message to a single website, clients or otherwise. Not mm-hmm. ever. Because um, actually nobody did. No, none, of, none of my past clients got back to me and said, oh, we need to put cookie things on our website, don't we? Yeah, I never had that either. Yeah, I mean, I know that there must be people out there that made a living out of that for a while. <laughs> it's like when, um, was it VAT changed? couple of years ago and people went through a whole sort of phase of, of changing that on people's sites yeah yeah i mean a certain class of people just loves those kind of things it's like y2k compliance or something yeah. i don't know they love that kind of thing oh there's an emergency let's, <laughs> let's 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 contact all our customers you know to be honest no we didn't have a single one 
Um, if we did, I mean, we had a client this, this afternoon phoned up. I haven't spoken to these people for, for quite some time and they've, they've got a, a, a problem with the site. They manage it themselves. You know, they'd use the CMS. Um, and there was something that they realized was broken. And well, I'm working on another project this week and I'm working on another project next week. So mm. that's always I, difficult. It, it, it is always difficult. So I think that, you know, you've got to judge whether or not, uh, the house is on fire. And you really do have to stop everything um, or to, you know, pay somebody else to do it, I suppose. Mm. Um, do you have any kind of ongoing service contracts? Never do, actually. No, never do. Do people ever ask you for that? It comes up in quotes occasionally. Uh, we had a lady on the phone this this morning that we're dealing with that, that asked that very good question. You know, what do you do about you know, upgrades and stuff like that. And, and you know, it's, it's not the area of business that, that we want to do. Yeah. I guess um, you're more design as well. Well, yeah. So I, I, I think when it comes down to, um, you know, Curtis's and Mike's questions, it's, I, what I used to do was I used to kind of treat a week almost as like four and a half days and maybe if, maybe a Friday afternoon, I would kind of clear a lot of stuff up. Yeah. Um, or I would, um, we, we have people that, that we work with that kind of, you know, know a lot about expression engine. So often I'll just put things over to them. So it, it is complicated though. I mean, having that kind of contingency, if, if it's a client that you're working for and they come along and they say, we've had this great idea or we need to add something into the plan, then yeah, at that point, I'm definitely going to say, well, listen, you know, we're not working on that this week. Mm-hmm. It's not part of our project plan. So that's something we're probably going to want to roll over into another week. But if it's just somebody that comes along with a quick upgrade or, um, you know, bit of content they want fiddling with or like this client today that had a, actually had, did have a problem. Well, you know, I fixed the problem because I just broke off what I was doing and fixed it. Yeah. Um, but you don't want to make a habit of that. No. So, you know, ganging things up till the end of the week, maybe, and just dealing them all in in one great big kind of busy Friday afternoon. Yeah, that's why um, I like I like to keep Fridays kind of for uh, admin work because then I've got a day where if anything does crop up, I can just quickly get on with it then rather than take time out of um, sort of my client work. I mean, I suppose the thing to say really is that, you know, I only work on one job at one time. So, you know, when we're booked out with a client, we're booked out with a client for, you know, for that week or that month or however long it is. But, you know, you're still doing other stuff at the same time. Mm. So, you know, I'm still taking phone calls and I'm still, um, you know, spending half an hour here or half an hour there on Skype calls with, you know, with, with prospective clients or whatever. Um, because, you know, you're never doing solely one thing at once, are you? Yeah. So, you know, just breaking off and, uh, you know, and fixing something is, uh, you know, I think that's, that's perfectly okay. Perfectly normal. Yeah. I like to, I like to set aside time specifically for that. So on a Friday, you know, Friday morning, that's when I do all of the little bitty things that I couldn't do during the week. Um, even things like phoning up, um, like HMRC or something, that sort of thing that I can't do or I just don't want to do when I'm thinking about client work. Mm. I mean, the other thing to say though is that, yeah, sometimes people just, they think the house is on fire and they want something fixed. Yeah. Or it's a quick five minute thing that you just need to do. And, you know, you can easily just kind of hopefully just drop those in. The other thing is when somebody comes along, as they did a few weeks ago, and they said, listen, um, oh, could you 
we want to work on our homepage. Something needs to be improved on our homepage. Mm. And I've been trying to switch old clients away from this idea that they should burn the house down every few years and design and redesign the website and get them much more onto the idea that things could improve iteratively. So the, you know, the guy came along and he said, I need to improve the, the flow through to my business section. Um, you know, how long do you think that's going to take? And we, you know, we agree that it would take a day. Um, it doesn't sound a lot really, but you know, to be honest, it wasn't an awful lot to do. Um, so it's a little bit more than just a quick five minutes or an hour, you know, five minutes here or an hour there. Yeah. You know, it might be a day. It might be two days. Well, let's face it. We're not always, you know, we're not booked out week on week on week on week. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there are holes. Um, and sometimes we'll make sure that there's a gap of one or two weeks between major projects. And that's a really good time to fit this kind of stuff in. So, you know, I would turn around to, to, to that guy and go, absolutely. That's such a great idea. Unless you've, unless there's anything which is really driving you to need it, you know, really, really quickly. Um, yeah. how about we do that at the end of June? And he goes, yeah, that's fine. We can do it at the end of June. We had another question. Um, from Luke Murphy Wormouth. He said, um, I'm interested in that Andy said that the stuff and answers bill at the end of every week and generally won't kick off work again until it's cleared. I was just wondering whether you run into problems with this. I know that a lot of agencies and companies have payment terms that range anywhere from 14 days to 90 days and can be quite strict about it. So how do you negotiate on this point, especially if you're interested in working with incremental weekly payments? Is it just something that you have to be flexible with? For example, a very big tech company I know have um, 90-day terms and basically won't work with anyone who doesn't want to adhere to this. And that's something that I've found as well. Yeah, I mean, ninety days is ridiculous, isn't mm. it? Really, it is. It's from a time when it, people would physically have to make invoices and do that big payment thing manually. But well, this reminds me of an article that uh, my old mate Simon Campbell from Erskine Design. Um, he wrote this article back in, I think it was two thousand and nine. Yeah, here we go, September two thousand and nine, called "Cash Is King." Mm. And I put a link to it in the show notes, but he's basically talking about the history of where this whole kind of 30 day payment terms thing comes from. Yeah. And how, um, you know, what would happen when invoices arrive and obviously they'd be posted and then they'd come to a post room and they'd go from the post room <laughs> to, um, you know, up to the, the guy who the, the invoice was addressed to, you know, maybe the people that we work with. And then it would probably sit there in his in-tray for a bit. And then it would go down to, you know, the finance people and, they do a check run. You ever heard? You probably don't remember this now. I have heard of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's where they basically they only run checks um, at you know the end of the week or something like that. So you know the checks would be printed off by one person, and then they'd go to somebody else who would sign the checks, <laughs> and then they'd go you know somewhere else, and then they go back down to the post room, and oh man, it was just like this horrible process, and you know did take took weeks mm. you know sometimes and that's where this maybe where this whole 30 day thing came from now the steps are the same but things are all electronic it's just a cash flow thing for them isn't it if they well, can sort of delay as long as possible paying something then that that's good for them yeah i mean cash flow is a big part of it for for a lot of these companies and you know we still have uh, one big major software company that we work with um, it's the people that I go out to Germany and work with. Mm. And they pay through a procurement house 
and the and the procurement house has sixty day payment terms. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. You know, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm the one person that you know demands to be paid right now. Um, no, of course not. So we did some work a couple of months ago, and we've just been paid for it. And they paid like on the nail. It was there, yeah. like you know, within the day that it should have been. Something that um, I found kind of works is if you do have, to, if you do find yourself in that situation where it's kind of sixty days or thirty days, um, often you can ask if you can send an invoice every week. So that way, you're not accruing this big amount that you suddenly get paid every, you know, every sixty days. That's a really, really good piece of advice, actually, um, because cash flow is just as important to us as it is to them. Yeah. I think it just psychologically, it's, it, it feels better. Even if you have to wait, you know, 60 days, um, it's just psychologically better to, to be paid every week. And, you know, I think the deposit is the exception here. I think, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. We've often said that you shouldn't start any work until you've, you've had a deposit. Um, and, you know, the deposit, you can't wait for a deposit for 60 days, unless, of course, you build it 60 days in advance, which, you know. And also a lot of these companies, they just don't do deposits. No. I've so, kind of, you know, often found that they just don't do that, and you can't really argue on that. I mean, this, I, I offered a company a couple of different payment terms this week, and the one that they settled for, which is the one that I think we should do, it's a three-week project, Um and they're paying a week in advance, which is basically a third. Mm. So it's, you know, although I might want to think about it as being paid weekly, um, they're thinking about it as in, you know, we're paying thirds. Yeah. And actually, you know, one of the, you know, it's all within 30 days. I think I would have a problem with working for a company that that's payment terms and 90 days. I just think that's that's way too much. I think it is way too much. I mean, you never know what's going to happen way down the line. I mean, what happens if they get bought out by somebody else in three months? Yeah, you know? or they go bust or something. I think three. I think ninety days is even is, if they're a big company. We we've seen lots of big companies sort of fall over. So, I mean, I think the thing is that you should be able to negotiate with people on payment terms, um, and you know there may be very good reasons why. Uh, you know, they want to delay paying you, but that doesn't mean to say that it makes it good business for you. Yeah. And I think it's always good to find out what the payment terms are um, before you kind of take any further because, yeah, if it were 90 days, that would definitely have a bearing on whether I sign a contract or not because I think that's kind of, yeah, taking a bit too far. There, there is no reason for companies to, to, take the, to take 90 days to pay someone. Oh, I can hear seagulls. <laughs> I was going to say, can you hear seagulls? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Luke's question about you know not kicking off work until we've had payment cleared. Yeah. Um, sometimes you might have to be a little bit flexible on a weekly basis. You know, sometimes you know you might not get it. You might not see it in the bank on the Monday. Yeah. Sometimes you might wait. Have to wait until you see it in the bank on the Tuesday. Something like that. Um, but if it gets much later than that, then you know, the alarm bells are, are going to ring. And, you know, people will always get just a little polite reminder. Yeah. Um, if that happens week on week, then, you know, then we might become a little less flexible. Um, but, yeah, you know, that's, it's the thing about payment terms, particularly with um, smaller companies anyway, uh, 
is it's just a conversation that you need to have an agreement that you need to reach. And it's just people talking, mm. you know, it's not really about any kind of machinery anymore. You know, there's not 15 people in the chain signing a check anymore. You know, most of the time the clients that we deal with, you know, you're only one or two steps away from the person that signs a check. Yeah. So good questions. Yeah. I think we might return to that another day. Will you tell me about something you like? Is it Pocky Biscuits? Oh, it's, oh, it's Hammer for Mac. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've talked about Hammer for, for Mac a lot, haven't I? Over the weeks, but I, I do. I really, I really love it. Um, isn't it? That's what's so good about the sponsors that we get on this show. Yeah. They're actually tools that we use. Um, and they're people that we know and they're conferences that we go to and things like that. I, I just love this, our sponsors that we get on this show. So Hammer for Mac is for people who write HTML. That's me and it's you. What does it do? Well, it speeds up your workflow and it does it. Oh man, I don't know where, where, where to start. Hammer compiles SAS and it compiles CoffeeScript as well. I know there are plenty of ways to do that and other tools as well, but Hammer's just getting started with SAS and CoffeeScript. The way it works is that Hammer takes your production files, the HTML and the CSS and the JavaScript that you write, and it compiles them into a build folder that's inside your project. So that means that you can keep your development files clean uh, using HTML includes, which are a bit like PHP includes, but with HTML. And Hammer has clever paths built into, so you don't have to write the full path to an image or a script or a style sheet. You just write the file name. And then Hammer goes off and it finds those files. And when it compiles, it writes the full path into the HTML of your pages. So it's amazing. I've been using Hammer for Mac since the beta. And I just don't think I could do a project without it now. I I think you'll love it too. There's a free trial available. But I mean, seriously, if you write HTML, just do yourself a favor right now and go buy yourself a full copy. You won't regret it. It's £16.99, that's $23.99 in the Mac App Store. And you can find out more at hammerformac slash unfinished. Guess what I saw in .NET this week? What was that? Um, Rockhammer. In the printed magazine? Yeah, yeah. Darn, I haven't seen that. It's, it only, I only got it through my letterbox yesterday. Oh, I might have to nip out. Well, in fact, I am nipping out tomorrow because we've got to buy a car. Um, <laughs> so I might try and buy a magazine as well as a car. Um, to, oh, well done. He, wow. He says nice things. Well, do you know, I'm going to say nice things about Hammer because I've, I've just got uh, this week a new build of Hammer. And I'm not supposed to say what's in it, but there's some really good things coming up in Hammer. <laughs> I got the 1.5 build. Um and, ah, oh, that's some good stuff. I wish I could say more about it. But, when will we find out? Uh, I don't know. Within the next few weeks, I think. Um, but there's some, just some really, there's some really good, uh, improvements to what's already there. Um, oh, I'll tell you one. I'm not sure it won't get me into trouble. Will you, will you whisper it to me? Uh, yeah, we'll do. Yeah, there's ig- ignore files. A bit like git ignore, but hammer ignore. So <laughs> when you, if you put, for example, like I do, if you have a folder of elements like PSDs that are inside your project, you don't want Hammer to build those. So you can just put them in an ignore file, which is very cool. <laughs> it won't build them. And the other thing is, if you have clients like I do that 
bring along kind of themes or something and they've got like hundreds of images in there or sprites or something like that. You don't want the sprites building every time. So it just slows down hammer. So you just ignore those and it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Hammer for Mac. <laughs> Rock and roll. Hammer for Mac. It's really good. So anyway, so we, this trip to Japan, I came back and I said, oh, where, where have you been? You've been quiet. I went to Japan and they go, Oh, was it, was it work or was it pleasure? <laughs> and I'm like, it's 2013. Can it not be both? Why, why do we have this kind of distinction between, um, working time and holiday time? And it got me thinking about how we handle work when it comes to time away from work mm. on holiday. And I know this is a problem that, that kind of I've faced over the, the years. Um, you know, do you just carry on working or do you have some great strategy to be able to have a time away where you're not doing any work or seeing any work at all? So, I mean, what do you do? What do you do when you go on holiday or you plan to go? Do you, do you switch off completely and you think to yourself, right, I'm, I'm not going to think about work. I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to take my <laughs> laptop. I'm not going to do anything, even if that means that you're going to come back to like a whole pile of stuff <laughs> that you've got to catch up on. Um, and like a thousand emails or do you aim to try to kind of keep up with things keep on top of things while you're away answer your email um you know do the occasional bit of client fixing or something like that what do you do um well <clears throat> really depends on sort of how long i'm away whether there's going to be reliable internet there um so last year i went to anglesey for a week mm. Um, it was really nice. It was. You could come and seen us. Yeah, this was this was like before we were doing the podcast. Um, but yeah, it was. I just really wanted it to be a nice time away from kind of work, and I brought my laptop along, not intending to do any work. Just you know, I might write a blog post or something. Or, um, but I ended up. I had a client. I think. It was something like their hosting went down or I had to renew a domain name suddenly. And um, this is from, you know, from when I was hosting stuff, which I don't recommend. Um, and, yeah, I it ended up I spent about a day doing some really stressful work where I just didn't want to be doing it. And I kept saying, look, I don't have Internet. I just, you know. I, I'm on holiday and they're sort of like, oh, well, we just need you to do this thing right now. And, um, so I vowed sort of never to do that again. But yeah, I think it's easier with, you know, even if I don't take my laptop, if I just bring my phone, I can still see emails and things. I can turn them off, but then I'm just stressing about what might be coming or, um, it really depends on the clients that you're working for at the time. If, I don't mind replying to a quick email or something, but if I have to actually do do proper work when I'm there, that that would annoy me mm. if it's sort of unexpected. But it, it really depends where it is I'm going and kind of what I'm going for. I, mean, I know Sarah Parmenter, she's talked about this in the past, where she oh she, yeah she dreads going on holiday i mean she, she dreaded going on her honeymoon because like you know the weeks running up to to her honeymoon and, and to other holidays she'll let people know that she's going to be away yeah and then all of a sudden they just want something doing and she's trying to cram in all this stuff <laughs> yeah i don't i don't really look forward to going on holiday for that reason 
Yeah, see, I don't know. Maybe it's just with the people that we deal with or the way that we work. I don't know. But and I think the weekly thing helps, actually, because, you know, you're not actually working for somebody. You know, you're not leaving a project hanging yeah. while you go off and sit in the sun for two or three weeks. Um, but we, I don't tend to get that. I don't tend to get people wanting to cram a lot of stuff in before we go away. I've had that a few times, you know, where I've said, uh, uh, what I'll often do is I'll say, say I'm going on holiday on the Friday. I'll say, I'm going on holiday on Wednesday. And I can guarantee that on Tuesday evening, I'll get a load of work that they weren't doing. Yeah, see, I just don't get that. But I don't tell anyone that we're going on holiday now. I didn't tell anybody that we were going to Japan. Uh... Because, you know, that was two weeks where I didn't have any client work booked in. I wasn't you know, I wasn't even in the middle of two projects. You know, there was nothing carried on across those two weeks. Yeah. And did you get so, anything? Well, I got lots of emails along the way because, you know, people don't know that I'm away. Yeah. Um, and I left a message on the answer phone, which didn't, you know, it didn't say we're away, but it just said this machine doesn't take messages. So even though it does, <laughs> but you know, send me an email, send me a tweet, which most people did. Um, no, so yeah, we've got lots of that kind of stuff, you know, new project inquiries and people needing a Skype call. I had like two or three Skype calls over the couple of weeks. Um, just catching up on stuff. Mm. But no, I didn't even tell anyone that we were going because it wasn't like we were going to be leaving anybody hanging. We just scheduled everything so that there was a clean break between going and coming back. But what about things like, um, I don't know, say a magazine or something wants you to get back to them. Do you ever get that? Yeah. I mean, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, and we'll talk about internet connectivity in a minute, but what I tend to do is I tend to check my messages, well, you know, once a day. And you went, know, it, being in a different time zone helps, uh, because, you know, when I'm replying to people, um, you know, the UK is either in bed or not got up yet, you know? Yeah. So, that was that was quite useful. You don't get that kind of um, email ping pong yeah. where people just you know send you confirmations. Um, so yeah, I would check my email every day, and you know sometimes more than every day, once a day. And I'll tend to do things if I can bash off a quick reply straight away. Um, then I'll I'll try and you know write something meaningful and just get back to them. If it means that something has to be worked on, then they might get a message just saying, um, and you know, you can set things up quite quickly, can't you? With text expander or, you know, things on your phone just to kind of bash back a, re a reply saying, right, I'm away. I'll be back this certain day. I'm putting you in my, in my pending folder and just file the email in the pending folder. It takes like 30 seconds. Um, and then sometimes I will actually just schedule tasks. You know, I get it out of my inbox and put it into a calendar or into the reminders list. Hmm. I'll do that kind of stuff. So it's not in your inbox. Yeah, just, and you're not thinking about it. No, not thinking about it at all. I mean, sometimes there'll be something that comes in. Like there was one particular guy that really want, I really wanted to speak to and he wanted to speak to me while we were away. So, yeah, I'm going to organize a Skype call because I'm not going to let that thing, you know, go. But, you know, no, I'll, I'll check email once a day and, and deal with things, um, you know, schedule stuff or file stuff or whatever. But then I'll have my my kind of do email folder, my pending folder, um, which, you know, if I'm sitting at an airport on the way home and I'm thinking about getting back to work, then I might go and try and clear half a dozen things out of that 
Yeah. Otherwise, you could just wait till you get home. But I don't want to ever be sitting there thinking that there's like the potential for a thousand emails. Yeah. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to be thinking, I'm one of these people that I don't want to be thinking that there's, that there's a potential for a problem lying there waiting for me to discover it. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be thinking, oh, that's exactly then, it. Am I going to come home to, a, you know, to a fire? Um, which is how I used to be. You know, I used to find it, I used to find it really, really hard to actually go on holiday at all, to be honest. Mm. I find it helps to, um, book a couple of days off after you've been on holiday. Uh, if you're going away somewhere, um, or if you are switching off completely, um, to just reply to emails and do all the things like wrap up things that, that happened while you were away. Cause otherwise you get back to work and you just, you're trying to do your job, but you're also trying to kind of do all of the things that you couldn't do while you're away. Yeah. I mean, it, it takes a little while. Maybe it takes a week to, you know, get over the, well, it's the kind of email version of jet lag, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Just kind of getting back on the right time zone. Um, <laughs> I just find holidays very stressful. Well, do you know, I used to find <laughs> it, I used to find it really hard to switch off. And I think it was because I used to get so uptight about trying to finish everything off before I went away. Yeah. I mean, years ago, when we had this business and we had this <clears throat> business partner and everything went horribly wrong, you know, we'd go away on holiday and all the time I'd be thinking about, you know, well, what's going to happen while I'm away and, you know, what am I going to come back to and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, particularly when you, you know, you, I used to try and finish all my work so that there wasn't anything that anybody else could screw up while I was away. <laughs> um, and it used to, I used to get on holiday. It used to take me a week to wind down. Yeah. And I, I still find it more or less impossible to completely switch off. I mean, the last time we went to France last year, I redesigned the stuff site. Mm. You know, I piddled about with code. Um, and sketches and stuff, you know, more or less every day. Um, but I didn't think about it. I didn't think it of, about it being work. I was just something that I was doing, you know, something I was fiddling with. Mm. She wants, she wanted me to leave the laptop at home once and I freaked out. Yeah, I freak out when I'm asked to do that. <laughs> Did you take it to France the other week? I didn't, but I was only away for about two three days um so i just had my phone with me and everything that i need to do was on there as long as no one's site went down or anything yeah but i don't i don't really manage that many sites anymore there's only a couple sort of old clients and I've, i'm in the process of moving them i mean this um the whole the place that we go in france you know, because we go to france every year um, when we're not doing crazy road trips we go to france every year and this is, it's getting harder to stay off the web. Because <laughs> <laughs> when we first started going there, um, you know, 10 odd years ago, you used to have to drive to Narbonne, which is like, I don't know, it's 40 miles away, 40 kilometers away, something like that. And there was an internet cafe that was only open three, four days a week. Mm. And you used to go there, like, you know, once a week, um, take your laptop and, you know, 
crash all your emails and do various things, download news feeds. That's another thing to keep on top of it. You know, RSS feeds. Um, and we used to do that like once a week. You used to pay five euros or something, sit there for an hour and you know, that would be it. Mm. And then we discovered that there was a free internet at McDonald's in Narbonne. <laughs> this is on the outskirts of Narbonne. So what we would do is we'd go, we wouldn't go into the city. We would just go into, you know, do the hypermarket shopping and then we'd stop off, order a Coke and, you know, do our email there. Yeah. And it was, it was a bit more convenient because we were, we were going to the supermarket a lot more regularly. We might be doing it like twice a week instead of once a week. And then a few years later, the little town nearest to us, it's like maybe 10 minutes drive away. There's a beautiful little cafe there and they put in Wi-Fi. Yeah. And, you know, we, Alex and I used to go every morning, we'd go to the bakers and collect bread and, you know, maybe sit and have a cup of coffee. And, oh man, now you've got this temptation of, do I take the phone? Do I take the laptop? Do I do this? Yeah. It was kind of creeping nearer and nearer and nearer to us on holiday. And then the other thing is that it used to be so expensive in Europe anyway. It's why well, it still is for the rest of the world, but in Europe it was really expensive to do data roaming. Yeah. Now. So is it a pound a day? It's one ninety nine a day and you, that's it. Yeah. And you, you get up to like 25 megabytes, which is more than enough for, you know, your kind of average twittering and email and you know maybe not if you're on instagram all the time maybe not um but now of course the temptation is well man you you know you're you're there for it's like two pound a day and it's a business expense yeah and now it's it's really hard to you know just not be on twitter like you're like you're at home yeah i usually um force myself to turn airport mode on just during the day and just because I I don't want to be I don't want to be checking Twitter and checking my email every minute like I do when I'm home. I do want just I, I maybe just like ten minutes a day just of internet time, but after that, mm. you know, I I just want to make sure that you know something hasn't like you say the house hasn't burnt down. <laughs> I just think, and I've I've come to this conclusion because you know Sue and I always say because we've been going to the same place for years and we always stay in exactly the same place, this beautiful little cottage that we rent, um, and you know we drove there last year. We're going to drive there this year, so we've got our own car, um, and we've always said that it's it's not like being on a holiday. It's like we just go somewhere else to live for, a, for two or three weeks. Yeah, and. I kind of realized that being on a holiday is more of a state of mind. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we take everything and we'll take our own pots and pans. We'll take our laptops. Um, we, you know, we'll do what we need to do, but we don't, we're not going to be sitting there working for eight hours a day. Yeah. You know, we're going to be doing whatever we need to do to kind of keep on top of the business, um, and make sure that everybody's happy. But then you put it down and you pick up a paperback and you go and sit by the, by the pool. Yeah. And that can be quite a difficult thing to do if you're so used to not doing that. Yeah, but tell you what, it does remind me. It does make me think that if I can do that for two or three weeks while I'm, on, you know, while I'm on holiday in France, why aren't I doing it every day here in beautiful North Wales? <laughs> you know, why don't I just think, boom, I'm going to crash through my stuff in two hours and then go out for a walk up in the mountains? Mm. And but I don't. You know, I sit here like for eight hours a day staring at a screen or something, and it's. It's a state of mind. I think I'm at work when I'm at home. Yeah. Even if you're not being particularly productive. 
Well, do you know, most of the time, I don't think we are. I think you can so focus things into a short period of time, be so productive, um, that, you know, you don't need to sit here for eight hours a day. But yeah, I have, I have kind of realized that as well as being somewhere else, it's much more of a state of mind than, than, than physically like, you know, I'm on holiday. Maybe it's different. Maybe it's different for people who have jobs, you know, as opposed to, yeah, yeah, you know, where, you know, you get a certain amount of time off and, you know, you go to a place to, you know, escape work. Don't know. Maybe it's different. Can I talk about pocket guides? Mm. So you've probably heard us talk about pocket guides before. Um, they're by Five Simple Steps and they're concise ebooks which focus on a specific and timely aspect of web design and development. And it's all for the price of a cup of your favourite coffee or tea. And on 23rd of April, Five Simple Steps will be launching two great new pocket guide titles. So they've got Combining Typefaces by Tim Brown, which sounds really interesting. I think I need that. It does, actually. Interviewing for Research by Andrew Travers. In Combining Typefaces, Tim Brown will help develop your skills and intuition when making typographical decisions. And in Interviewing for Research, Andrew Travers helps you improve your interviews and turn them into a more effective design tool. From Tuesday, you can pick up Tim and Andrew's new titles for £2 each, or you can get them both as part of Collection 2, which also includes Usability of Web Photos by James Tudley and HTML Email by Andy Kroll for just £6. Five Simple Steps are offering two lucky people the chance to receive Collection 2, so that's all the titles, and one very lucky person will receive a full set of all pocket guides, and all you have to do is tweet your favourite short business tip with the hashtag hash pocket tip before Friday the 26th of April and they'll pick their favourites. Terms and conditions apply, no purchase necessary, no animals were harmed in the making of this sponsor read. <laughs> That's a really cute competition, actually. I like that. I like that. Just tweet a tip, your little business tip. Yeah. It can be anything, um, but put the hashtag on there and we can pick that up. I'm going to look forward to seeing what people write. Yeah, we should retweet it for you. Do you feel guilty when you go on holiday for not being at work? Yes. What is it about us that makes us well, feel as though we're somehow doing something wrong? We love our jobs. You know, to me, I remember when I first found out that, um, when I first started listening to Biogwild, I was just shocked that, wow, people actually get paid to make websites. Like, people get paid to do something that's really fun. And... When I sort of take myself away from that, I do feel a bit kind of, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, we went to Australia last year. Hmm. And, I mean, the previous year had been really, really, really busy. And I'm, I'm not very good in the in the winter. As you know, I get, <laughs> I get very kind of, there's, there's a syndrome, which I'm sure I haven't got. But, you know, I don't, I just don't like the winter. I don't like not having any sunlight. So I just wanted to get out of England and we thought, well, where can we go? Let's go to Australia. So we planned to be there for like five weeks. Um, and we went to a whole bunch of different places. You know, we went to Perth for the first time, which was beautiful and drove around there. We had a lovely time. Um, and the whole thing was paid for by doing four workshops. Mm. And I felt sometimes I would kind of catch myself, you know, I'd feel guilty. 
I know I was, doing, I was doing workshops out there, but I kind of, you know, you wake up on a Tuesday morning and you think, what am I going to do today? And you go, <laughs> I don't have anything to do today <laughs> or tomorrow or Thursday. Um, and it's really hard, isn't it? Because you think, oh, I should be doing something. I should be doing, I should be being productive. Yeah, I, I get that on bank holidays. Um, I just find it so weird that it's a weekday and I'm not doing work and I kind of feel like I should be. I mean, this, this trip to Japan, we have mostly paid for by doing that workshop in Tokyo. Um, so, you know, I earned as much in a day, maybe, as I would have done at, as in a week sitting here doing client stuff. And yet, mm. you know, and, you know, maybe that, that's okay. You know, it's okay. We don't have to work nine to five, five days a week. Mm. You know, if you can, if you can hit your goals, by doing one crazy workshop or whatever it is that other people do, then that's okay. It's part of the reason I like freelancing is that I can kind of choose those days that I don't work and um, <laughs> rarely get to, though. I, I mean, we haven't got a free day now. I think we're booked up until like the middle of I think the middle of July, something like that. So, you know, it's a pretty intensive client work week's coming up. Um so I'm going to enjoy my weekends. Definitely going to enjoy my weekends. But no, it's, it's just you know, to be able to think to yourself, do you know what? Yeah, I don't have to work a whole week sitting at my computer. I can just do one thing on one day. Yeah. Um, it, that, it's a difficult thing to get your head around. I think we are so conditioned to think that work is something that we do for maybe set hours or set days a week. And you know what Rachel Andrew was talking about when she um yeah came on the show hosted the show one week um about you know how the fact that they don't need to have an office anymore because they don't have office hours and they're dealing with stuff you know at all hours of the day and night yeah well the the support for perch um they reply to tickets just any time in the day i've I've had tickets replied to at sort of eleven p m I had a, a ticket replied to when Rachel was in hospital and Drew was waiting for an A and E. You know, they 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 just. I asked Rachel about it and she said it. She doesn't. It doesn't feel like work. It's just part of their lifestyle. Um, I think for some people that that's a difficult thing. Like a lot of people like that separation between work and life, but there are also a lot of people who it kind of feels the same. Well, I asked this on Twitter this week because I was thinking about this topic. And I asked people to, you know, define work. And well, there's lots of varied answers, but a lot of people said, well, you know, it's something that you get paid for or it's something that you need to do to kind of, you know, keep your head above water. But, you know, what is it? What is work these days? I, I mean, I, and it's difficult because, you know, as freelancers, as people that run our own businesses, um, we have a certain view of things. I'm sure it's really, really different if you work in a company. Yeah. You know, where you turn up at nine o'clock and you work till whatever time. I'm sure it's diff- it's different, but you know. I think with that, um, part of the reason is you could work for, uh, you know, 12 hours in a day and you'd still only get paid for the eight hours that you, you've been sort of set. Yeah. But with us, we can maybe, oh, maybe that's, maybe that's a load of rubbish. No, I don't think so. No, I think that have, uh, but, yeah, I think we have a, a perspective on things as freelancers. I think it is different. I'm not saying it's better, 
but it is different from people that might have, um, you know, they, they might go to work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and we, we shouldn't forget that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about here is obviously kind of, you know, based on our own experiences. And I know people say, yeah, but you don't understand what it's like, Andy, you know, when you have to go to work every day. It's fine for Andy. It's fine for Andy. He can do that. Um, but you know, it is different. And I suppose if you, um, you know, if you're working for yourself, then you're not going to mind picking up the email while you're sitting on a deck chair. But if the email isn't yours, if it's a company email, <laughs> mm. you know, then I can understand, um, you know, how, how troublesome that is. You know, you can just imagine handling work email, you know, somebody else's email, something yeah. that you work for's email, um, while you're on holiday. I don't think, I don't think I'd be doing that. But you know, what is work now? It's not what it used to be. It's not what, you know, it's not what our parents or grandparents did. Do you like that? In some cases, yeah, I think. Because it gives us the flexibility to go off and do crazy things. Yeah. I'd hate to think that my job is just something that I do to get money. I like that it's a kind of lifestyle thing. I like that, uh, you know, I, I, I don't particularly like working in the evenings, but if it's something that I want to do, then yeah. And it's, a lot of the work I do, I do want to do it. Or if it's a personal project or something, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, it's 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 different, isn't it, now, I think. And, you know, I'm sure that, well, I'm sure my parents, my mum doesn't have a faintest clue what we do for a living. <laughs> doesn't quite understand it. But if you're listening, hello, mum. Um, <laughs> but it is, it is very, very different because it's not something that, you know, we go and do. And, you know, I suppose if, if somebody's saying, yeah, but, you know, I'd go to work every day and I hate my job and all that, well, get another job then. Yeah. That's easy for me to say, isn't it? I've got no idea. <laughs> I've got no idea what it's like there in the real world. I'm completely unemployable. I think I, t- <laughs> I told, I told Laura this. I've never ever got a job that I've applied for. Not mm. once. <laughs> that's, that's nothing to be proud of, really, is it? Oh, well, could be. <laughs> I remember having to do, I applied to, to, uh, did I mention this on the show? I, went, I once was asked to, to apply for a job at Kodak and I went there expecting to see kind of you know people that i knew who were interviewing and uh you can cut this out if you think i'm rambling and uh and i get there and they give me one of those personality tests uh-huh. uh, they sit me in the room and go hey you, you know you've got 30 minutes to answer 30 questions and uh i refused to do it she came <laughs> she came back kind of half an hour later and went have you finished and i went no i haven't started <laughs> so that's one of the reasons why i didn't get that job <laughs> but no, it is different. And I, and I think as far as this, bringing it back to the topic, as far as this whole kind of um, working week thing goes, um, and working on holiday goes, um, what I consider to be, you know, answering emails and dealing with people and whatever is what I like to do. And I don't think of it as being work. Yeah, I don't sit there and design somebody's site. I don't sit there and sort problems for them. Um because I'm not really in an environment for that. But, it, you know, a lot of what we do isn't about design. A lot of what we do is about communication. Yeah. And that's what you take with you on holiday. That's what the work is. It's the communication part of it. Um, so that's how I look at it. I think that's a show. I think that is a show. So you can email me at hehasunfinished.bz and Anna at shehas 
unfinished.bz. And hi, you can email both of us at theyhave at unfinished.bz. And you can find all the links we mentioned in this episode in the show notes. They're at unfinished.bz slash 15. That's the number 15. And to ask us questions and suggest topics, message us on Twitter at unfinishedbz. Thanks again to our fantastic sponsors, Hammer for Mac and Five Simple Steps. And we'll see you next week. Arigato gozaimasu! <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Do you know what that means? Thank you very much. It does mean thank you very much. So, I was always doing that silly, silly fake Japanese voice. And uh, Sue was like, you can't do it like that. And then she goes to Japan. Yeah. And they do, they <laughs> Please all said, don't do that. They all, they all do that. Arigato <laughs> I love Japan. It's so much fun. So you watched Spirited Away, finally. Finally, I did. It was really good, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it took me a while to uh, to to have a look. Um, but yeah, I did sit and watch it. And uh, I was really, really impressed, actually. It wasn't a cartoon, was it? No. I mean, there were parts of it that kind of I really liked and parts of it that kind of got... You know, freaked me out a little bit. Um, but <laughs> like it was big baby. It, it wasn't because it was a it was animation. It wasn't because it was a cartoon that I wasn't thinking about watching it. Because you know, I like cartoons, and I don't know. I I kind of imagined. Did you ever see the Animatrix? Yeah. So, and I kind of imagined it would be a bit like those, and I didn't really like them that much. No, they weren't all great, but yeah, this is this is. One of the best anime films, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was beautiful. It was really, really beautiful. I mean, I did, I did have to kind of put my preconceptions in my pockets, put my hands in my pockets <laughs> while I watched it. Um, and it took me a little while to get into it, but um, not that long. You know, when they go to that theme park at the beginning, that abandoned theme park. Yeah. Oh man, I want to go to a theme park like that. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be great to go to a theme park, you know, like that where when there's nobody else around? Yeah. Oh, it's It'd be kind of creepy. Yeah, there used to be. <laughs> yeah, this is going back in years. But um, my granddad, uh, he was a carpenter, and he made the gates of Happy Mount Park in Morecambe. You ever been to Morecambe? No. No, at least up north. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's a faded or was a faded seaside town. Um, and Happy Mount Park was kind of, you know, one of the, one of the parks that you had there. He made the gates. It was really, they were, they were, they were very famous. They're not, they're not there anymore. And then there was this other park on, along the seafront. It was called Frontierland. <laughs> and it was a Wild West theme park in Northwest Lancashire. <laughs> <laughs> And everything was kind of yee-haw. It was all, you know, stereotypically kind of, all the rides were themed like, you know, mine, runaway mine car, roller coasters, all this kind of stuff. And uh, I used to love it. I used to go up there every summer just to stay with my nana. And, uh, yeah, Frontierland. It's not there anymore. They tore it down. <laughs> I went back in 2006 once, and you could climb through the gate climbed through the fence and there was still one or two things around. Um, there were still one or two of those kind of great big fiberglass cowboys 
that they, they oh, used yeah. to have. And do you know what? I wish I'd stolen them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I doubt they ended up in a museum. I bet they just kind of ended up on a skip somewhere. Mm. I just wish I'd nick them and stick them in my garden. That'd be great. <laughs> Instead of gnomes. We haven't got gnomes. <laughs> got concrete sheep. But yeah, no, it was, <laughs> it was, it was really good. And I just thought, oh yeah, this is going to be good. At that point, I thought this is going to be good. Yeah. And then the pigs. Yeah. And I was like, okay, now I'm, ta- now I'm paying attention. Because up until <laughs> that, good, up until that point, I was kind of like, you know, I wasn't half watching it. I was all, I was full of watching it, but you know, my brain wasn't engaged. And then the, and then the pigs. Like, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now I like the pigs. So yeah. Yay. <laughs> it was, it was good. I mean, there was, there were some really cute little things and there were some things that the chicks were cute. The chicks the, are cute. The, the big chicks, the little soot balls, the soot balls are amazing. I like the little one that couldn't hold the lump of coal. <laughs> I love the little noises they make. Mm. I couldn't tell whether they were spiders at that point, but no, they're soot. But... They're in Totoro as well. Ah, right. You see, because I, I, I didn't get any of the references. There could have been like a million um, Ghibli in jokes. That well, there's a lot of kind of um, Japanese culture as well. That the spirits, they're they're kind of gods, um, and yeah, there's there's thousands and thousands of them. There's like the radish spirit. Mm. You know, the first one you kind of see. Um, They've got spirit for everything. Well, I've got... That's what my friend told me anyway. Yeah, no, you're right. And also, listen to that. I've got one too. Little jingling. There's these little charms um, that you attach to your phone. I mean, it goes back centuries, apparently. You know, people used to have kind of little carved carved charms that would ward off evil spirits. And now... I mean, they're they're everywhere, but now they're everything. I've got I've got a couple hanging off my iPhone now, and I've got Ultraman, who is uh, he's he's got a, a Hiroshima cake, and I've got Godzilla, <laughs> a little Godzilla. I'll, should I take some photos and put these put these on Instagram? Yeah. We'll link them to the show notes. I've got Godzilla, and he's got a spatula in one hand and a bottle of mayonnaise in the other. And he's making a Japanese um, pancake. Uh, they call it uh, okonomi- oh, okin- okonomiyaki. Yeah. yeah. And this is Hiroshima style because I've got it in I got him in Hiroshima. And you know, you just attach these things to your phone, and yeah, you know, they're hanging off my iPhone now. <laughs> I'll take I'll take a photo of those. But you know, it, it was it was it was good. Um, it's a beautiful film as well. Just the drawings and uh, there's this bit I can't remember. They're walking through flowers. They're walking through like a these hedges full of flowers, mm. and it's just—I just really like that bit. No, I mean everything about the artistry. Was it, um, was it John Lasseter from uh, Pixar? Apparently, I was doing a bit of browsing around. I think he <laughs> he produced the the American dub. All right, something like that. I remember. It is very good dub. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, that's they're not normally that good, but um, this was yeah, this was really good. Yeah, no, I just it didn't feel apart from you know the old bit of kind of Japanese script or you know buildings or whatever. It was, it was. What about that stink spirit? <laughs> he was good. That was cool. Yeah, I like, I like that. when um, when Jihiro, whenever like 
something scary happens or like with that, it's a really strong smell and her hair kind of prickles up and she kind of shivers all the way up. (laughs) It's really funny. Mm. I mean, I've never been much into, you know, Japanese animation. I mean, it sounds terrible, but I always kind of associate it with really kind of crappy Pokemon stuff, you know, (laughs) awful or, um, Transformers, Transformers, or um, oh, I don't know, all that kind of stuff. That you know, yeah, you, the kind of mass-produced, badly drawn. Not a fan, never yeah. been a fan. Whereas this, this was this was really really beautiful. If I've got one criticism, I think it was probably maybe twenty minutes too long. Yeah, um, you know, it's a long story. I mean, it's just it's fantastical. It's kind of. You just don't know what's coming next. Yeah, no, it was really, really good. And I'd like to sit and watch it again, um, when, maybe when I've got a bit more time, or watch it on the big telly, because I, I watched it on my laptop, which is never yeah, never the best yeah. viewing environment, is it? So I'd like to take another look. And I've got some other things. I bought um, Arietti yeah. from iTunes the other day. Because, I've not seen that. No, I started watching it last night, and then... Um, and then I got really tired and went to bed. <laughs> so I need to start watching that again. But that, again, just looks so beautiful. Yeah. So I think I'm a bit of a convert, really. Yay! You're not going to get me watching Adventure Time again. No, I don't think it's for you. But it really isn't. maybe next one should be My Neighbor Totoro. That's another Ghibli film. Well, can we watch Arietti as I've got it? Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about that. I've and you one. said it's on iTunes. It, uh, yeah, it's on iTunes to rent. So I think it's only a couple cool. of quid. Cool. Is that a new one? Uh, 2012. Oh, yeah. So it's new. And it's based on The Borrowers. Ah. Which, yeah, could be nice to I talk about. I used to watch that when I was little. <laughs> You're still little. Oh. <laughs> so we should really wrap this up, shouldn't we? I need to go make a cup of tea. Yeah, I need a cup of tea. <laughs> Mm. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. (laughs)